Are you someone that likes to play with their rod? Got sore arms and wrists from always playing and fighting with your rod? Spent countless hours out on a boat just holding on to your rod? Well, give those arms and wrists a break. Get rid of the carpal tunnel syndrome from playing with your rod and check out Real Crazy Fabrication. Custom designed and painted rod holders for all your fishing needs. Small town, Canadian made, built with pride and experience, Real Crazy Fabrications can fix you and your rod up with whatever size, design and color rod holder you're in the market for. You can check them out at realcrazyfabrication.com or check out their social media page at real.crazy.fabrication. Once again, realcrazyfabrication.com, that's R-E-E-L, fabrication.com, or anywhere on their social media page at real.crazy.fabrication. Real Crazy Fabrication. Stop playing with your rod. Proud supporters of the Cox Talks Podcast. This is Declan Meek, and you listen to the Cox Talks Podcast. What's going on, Cox Talks Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Cox Talks Podcast. Hey, and look at this. We are fucking right on time with another great episode ready for you in the chamber this week uh actually first housekeeping let's get to it questions comments concerns dilemmas you know the drill get at me on social media at the cox talks podcast on instagram um yeah wherever if fuck if you don't know by now just go back Uh, fuck it go to another episode find out where you can get a hold of me uh big big guy on uh big feedback guy Always looking for the feedback. Always love the feedback. Take it pretty seriously. So, yeah. So, uh, listen, on today's episode, big, big summer. We had a big summer for forest fires. So, I brought in a good buddy of mine, a kid I used to coach, a little junior hockey with, um, just just recently retired. Good kid, city kid, uh, Declan Meek from down in Scarborough there. Spends his summer fighting forest fires. Young guy. It's a young man's game. Has a lot of fun, had a lot of has a lot of life experiences up there. So, like I say, with all the forest fires we had going on this year, I thought, why not get them on? Let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little forest fire fighting here on the Cox Talks podcast. I don't want to waste a lot of time. You guys have all heard enough from me. Uh, let's get into it. Let's bring in Declan Meek. So this week on the Cox Talks podcast, we got a guest back. We got a guest back on the podcast. I think people, every once in a while, they get a little sick and tired of just listening to me rant and rave about shit. So on this week's Cox Talks podcast, none other than Declan Meek, forest firefighter extraordinaire. And of course, with this summer, with this summer being like a, a hotbed for forest fires in Canada, let alone Ontario, we thought we'd get him on. Declan? Welcome to the show. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, man. Sorry to uh, sorry to rush you home from your old lady's nest down in uh, St. Catharines there for the weekend. But oh, you're good. Du- duty calls. You know, if you want to be oh, a yeah. big, you want to be a big dog, you got to get on the podcast. Exactly. We've been trying to line this up for a while. We had in the summer. We had a weekend we were gonna do it, and then while it was up there, the freaking towns, of course, the towns, fucking internet and power shuts off. They do it at random times. It's oh yeah. It was, but... uh, I can't imagine the internet, uh, connection or service or whatever being that great in Wawa, Ontario anyways. Yeah. Rogers ain't the best. You got to go with all these off brand names, but, uh, yeah, but you're, yeah, but we, you're, we made her work. But you're back home in Scarberia now. You're back home in Scarborough. So tip top internet yeah. shape. If you know, if, if if a gang war doesn't take the internet out or something. Yes, sir. Deep in the city. Yes. Trying to, trying to adjust every summer coming home is a bit of a is a bit uh you get a little pissed off and Quinter, what's up? Quinter's fucking popping into the room. <laughs> I was just gonna say what I was just gonna say, what's that stupid brother of yours doing? Probably sitting in the basement finger popping his there belly button or what? 
yeah. He's doing nothing but fuck all on a Sunday. Oh, I got some homework. A little bit of homework. Okay. Right on. So, so why don't to, to just to kick things off, um, why don't you tell the listeners out there how you and I know each other? Yeah. So it wasn't even, we didn't even really stumble upon each other. It was more so, I don't know who, uh, got in your ear or you heard about Quinn, buddy, you just popped in my room, but, uh, yeah, he's my brother and he, he started with, uh, Halliburton Jr. A, and I guess he got a bit of a rough uh, start to his season there. I think he was a year out of high school and uh, ended up uh, again, again, pretty much traded to the Noge if if uh, he wanted to go. And he said, "Fuck that, I'm staying at home." <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I guess his phone his phone was ringing bells like constantly. And then he got a hold, or you got a hold of him. I don't know how you stumbled upon his name. Probably that. Fucking Chucky kid. No, it Mr. wasn't even player him. agent. It wasn't oh, even no? him. No, I'm just I'm just oh, a snake yeah. in the grass, man. That's what it comes down there to. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. You're always in players' ears. Like even I remember when I was on the team, you're you're asking, Oh, who how about this guy? You like him? What what's your thoughts <laughs> on him? So yeah. That's yeah, how but, that's uh, how we got that's how we got rigs too. That's how we got six fifty. No, yeah, yeah. We got a couple <laughs> of those characters. We don't even know how. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, so I'm 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 one of those those guys that uh, stumbled upon the uh, the Oxbridge train, but uh, I pretty much came in because uh, Quinn. So Quinn was Quinn was pretty much saying he wanted to, he wasn't going to play after going to junior A, and then it was like, uh, why don't you give it one more shot? I came home from the summer, and uh, he was kind of ah, I'm kind of done not going to play hockey if I can't play junior A. And then I was like, fuck, man, you like the game so much. Why don't you just play junior C and have some fun? It's still great hockey. Absolutely. I couldn't play any, any higher level, I don't think. But uh, yeah, so I pretty much made a deal with him. I come out for the first skater, pretty much ask you first if I, if his dumbass brother could come out. <laughs> You're like, well, if it gets this guy Quinn Meek to the rink, then maybe he comes. Yeah. So, we both show up, I don't know, it was probably late September. Season probably just started a couple of games in, I think. Yep. I think you guys had a bit, I think you guys had a rough start there. Yeah, we were but, having a slow uh, start for sure. That's every, that's every season. We got There's always stuff to polish up at the start and then you oh, yeah. kind of work your gears out and get going. But, uh, yeah, there was two seasons there with Uxbridge and uh, – Freaking hell of a time finishing off the hockey career. Now I'm just playing men's league getting suspended. Fucking <laughs> game for fighting. So yeah, I gotta sit for next week. It it happens everywhere you go, man. I'm 40 playing men's league, and I'm still getting suspended. And actually, I think our men's league team, the Mudmuckers, I think uh, we're staring down the barrel of just a a complete team ejection from the league. To be honest with you, that's Holy shit. Ah, it's Cosmic. just the way it goes. Yeah, we're just uh, you know what we we're a bunch of caged animals and you let us out on the ice and things don't go our way. Maybe we're a little immature about it. We get, we get a little hot, we get a little reckless and uh, yeah, leagues, leagues just don't like to see the muckers come through the front doors. Let's put it that way. That's the only way to play. That's the only way to play. You still got to have an edge when you're out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. So your, your hockey career is all done and um, you're, you're, you're a retired hockey player now and you're focusing, focusing on becoming a firefighter somewhere. Um, very tough job to get into, but you've spent your last couple of summers fighting forest fires in Wawa, Ontario. And I know a couple of guys that have, you know, fought forest fires for a living, um, over the course of years, but I've never really got the chance to sit down and, and chat with them. So, so why don't you tell us, first of all, what's, and I'm just going to use what I know there's, there's crews all over the place, but what is it oh, yeah. like? What is it like living in Wawa, Ontario, and have you ever met Chris Simon? Holy shit. Yeah, Wawa's for oh man, like I didn't know what the hell I was getting into when I uh I first went for my course in Ottawa and then I kind of just called around bases just a shot in the dark, trying to see what, what I could stir up. Because I was up north in uh Kworth as on the volunteer department and that wasn't end up working out with trying to find a place to live and Wawa was the first place to call. And uh, I was like, fuck, why not go on a leg and see what this is about for this summer? And then 
three years, three summers later, it's, it's, uh, it's gone pretty good. Yeah. But, uh, Wall was, Wall was probably in my, I'm a little biased, but probably the best base in Ontario for, for forest fires, just because of the people that are there on base and even in town are, are awesome people. And there's just a crap ton more to do in Walla because of the lake and just outdoor activities. There's a good amount of stuff in town. I know you've been there probably a little pop by in <laughs> quick and out, but, yeah. uh, and then, uh, yeah, Chris Simon, I haven't seen him, but I've seen his daughter. I've, uh, we got together for not me and her, but her whole friend <laughs> Careful, group, and yeah. then my whole friend group up there. We got a little volleyball. That was that was a common thing. We go and play volleyball at uh, Sandy Beach on Superior there, and uh, have a good time. Right on, yeah. And I never actually thought about that. I mean, a lot of those, I guess, a lot of those base camps, I'll call them because I don't know the proper term. They're probably more interior, right? You're probably not as close to the lake, so so yeah. yeah, yeah. Wawa wouldn't yeah, be deep. a horrible place. Wouldn't be a horrible place to live for right. sure. Oh yeah, there's like a bunch of the management who they they'd offer their jet skis, everything. So oh, perfect. You go, you go fuck around instead of just being housed and kind of tucked away in the bush all the time. It's uh, yeah. yeah, definitely made for more fun fishing too. So yeah, so you're up there. Is it? Are is your living arrangements? Is that your own responsibility, or do they like when you say you're at camp? They actually provide a camp yeah. for you to live at. Yeah. So when we're when you're on base, not on fire, which depends on the summer, could be a whole summer you're on base. Like my second year, we didn't have any fires, really. Uh, but um, Or it could be that uh, some bases, they provide housing okay. where you don't have to pay for it. You live on base, but in Wawa, you have to kind of live in town, find your own accommodations, which is especially in a small town where there's mining, there's forestry going on and then there's forest fire and there's a bunch of seasonal jobs up north and yeah Ontario, even alberta you know so uh but uh yeah so i was paying like 500 dollars for a basement apartment and praying to god i could get out of there as much as possible during the summer and oh yeah on fire kind of thing yeah absolutely so so i want to i want to we'll get into more the details of the job but why is it so why have you just chosen to start fighting forest fires is it for a resume thing to get on a department down south here is it for experience or is it just like fuck yeah let's go fight some forest fires oh yeah i think it's a bit of everything there like i heard a, a bit about it in college from uh, my fire captains at fleming college and then uh a couple of their sons did it and then uh hearing about like from one of the guys in the volunteer department, North Corthy, he did in Alberta when uh, Alberta had the rap attack, where it's pretty much like you tether from a helicopter down to the fire. And uh, they, they sent, they don't have that anymore. The only place that has something like that is BC or it's smoke jumping. So all those ideas in my head and uh, kind of when I had that kind of stumble upon, like where the hell am I going to live in, in Apsley, Ontario. So, uh, but <laughs> yeah. uh so yeah, I just uh, kind of took it as a sign to get home and reapply somewhere else, and yeah, it was it was uh, crazy to think uh, I'd get into what I did my first year, especially like 2021 was my first year, and that was a crazy season. I didn't I didn't spend more than like two weeks, uh, uh, probably like three weeks in town. I was bumping around to like Kenora, Ontario, uh, Sioux Lookout, Hearst freaking everywhere wawa had a bunch of fires so right yeah. on but uh every fire was different you get a, a different uh challenge you got to tackle multiple things and uh yeah being with a four-person crew definitely got to stay as a team or someone's or the whole the whole crew is going to fall apart so oh yeah, yeah. For sure. you got to keep morale up and uh yeah after my first year i got the crew boss role which is pretty sweet and uh, a little more responsibility and yeah i guess they saw some a little more uh experience in me after that first year being pretty chaotic and then uh kept rolling with it and it was uh yeah nothing right positive to say about forest right fire. on so you okay so you so you're on base it's just a typical day there's no forest fires going on what does your day look like just hanging out at base with with no, with no fires or anything going on yeah yeah, so you're pretty much like a, a city or a town worker for that town, whether it's um, 
you could be doing uh, like fire prevention stuff for a school or you even like more so at base, you're pretty much maintaining your equipment. You're going out for training, whether it's like chainsaw training, uh, pump training with your crew members or uh, kind of just uh, you could be adjusting fire signs or putting fire signs up north in the district or uh, putting notices out for a restricted fire zone. So there's new jobs every day there and uh, they keep it interesting for the most part. But then there's probably uh, a bit of the time you're spending is just sitting there with your hand in your pants and just fucking around. So (laughs) that that. part of it definitely uh, was not, not the uh, best for my state, but uh, yeah, yeah, that was good though. It was, it was, uh, you're definitely itching to get on fire. Once you uh, catch one, you're like, okay, let's keep going. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. So get there April. Yeah. Sometimes stay till uh, October or September. Okay. So you're okay. So you're on base, whatever the call goes out for a forest fire. Tell us what shakes down, like what, you know, lead us through either preparing or, or leaving for a call. Um, what like, obviously all your gear is ready and everything, but what, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Walk us through it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you, you get placed on uh, either a red alert, which is immediate uh, initial attack. It could be yellow alert, which is within 30 minutes. You got to kind of get on the horse and get to the fire. Or it's uh, blue alert, which is four hours. That's all based off of your fire hazard in the district every day. Because we get a briefing every morning just on like how dry the ground is, how susceptible we are to fire. And uh so after we get that briefing, you pretty well load up your truck with all your fire bags, your personal stuff, and then your fire equipment has to be pretty dialed. So uh, you pretty much run through your pump uh, as a crew boss. You run through your chainsaw crew leaders pretty well, making sure all his paperwork and everything is filled out. The comms are good in the helicopter or the truck if we're doing truck attack. But uh, yeah, so you get called and... Uh, Usually red alert, you're stationed on a helicopter and uh, it could be, it could be north. It could be anywhere in your district. Don't know how long it's going to take, but uh, you're pretty well in charge of the whole crew's in charge of keeping communication with the uh, headquarters back in Wawa. So, and uh, yeah, you pretty much, you, you, the the, the, um, pilot and the, the crew leader, Pretty much they coordinate where they're going to be going, where the waypoint is, where our uh, coordinates for the fire are going to be. And uh, we'll update that as you go. And uh, yeah, every every fire is uh, definitely pre- presents another challenge that you've never seen before. Whether mm-hmm. it's like elevation, uh, a shitty water source, which is usually what I've seen to uh, run into. But uh, yeah, you kind of work with, with what you got Ontario's full of full of uh fresh water whether it's like just muck and swamp or loon shit or whether it's just a really nice lake or something so uh pretty well most of it is pumping hose that we use when we get on there and uh yeah pretty much uh try and get on water on the fire as quick as we can whether it's through hose or if it's too too hot and it's kind of skipping along and and ripping up a hill then we want to uh, get air attack on it, so we'll call as soon as we can. And once we get a scouting report from the air going, we'll land when we're ready and and uh, pretty well uh, get her going. So, so I guess it'd be pretty rare, like you said, it here in Ontario. It's pretty rare. It would be pretty rare that you couldn't find a water source. But I would imagine, you know, some of these northern forest fires in in uh, Alberta or. That's actually Saskatchewan's got more lakes than you think it does too. But what, like, what do you do if you can't find a water source? Like what, what's your plan of attack for a fire that you don't have any water? Yeah, there's, there's I mean, I guess, sorry, like, I know you got that, the fucking helicopters that come in and drop the water and shit, but you got to have a strategy from the ground too. I would imagine. For sure. Yeah. Like every province deals with it a little different, like especially Alberta to Ontario. There's, there's a little less water source. It's kind of like the Texas of Canada, a little mm-hmm. more dry. You use if you are doing water, you're usually using like a water bladder, or if there's a water truck, 
Mm-hmm. We were, it was it was awesome to go there this summer to uh, just north of Grand, Grand Prairie and uh, kind of see how they do stuff. We literally pumped out of a water hose and had Nodwells pretty well pulling hose for us. And uh, they they do things where they have bulldozers. They create a right. dozer guard, which they just plow through the bush yep. with a bulldozer and knock down like a big fire guard. So fire can kind of stop it at its edge. Depending on the wind, it it honestly might not work out, but it's a little, uh, you got a better chance than uh, some other stuff. Like if you're, you see down, t- like down south with hot shots and everything, those guys are, those guys are just as much as heroes as, as uh, anyone else, but uh, they use hand tools all the time. Oh, okay. And uh, it's pretty much like a, they, it was, it was funny because we got to use, or, we got to test them out and, and uh, talk to a bunch of hot shots from like Idaho who were in Alberta. And uh, yeah, they use, it's kind of like a, a massive gardening tool with mm-hmm. a long handle on it and it just digs trenches. Okay. But what they have is a little softer ground. So it's easier to dig, right. dig trenches and create a bit more of a separation. But uh, yeah, it gets tricky. We did that for one day and I was like, uh, my lungs are going to collapse from all the smoke I'm breathing in. Cause the water is, mm. there's no water to kind of, kind of keep a bit of a moisture barrier from you. Yeah. So you just get all sooty and gross, but, uh, that's the job. Yeah. It's fun at the end of the day. So, so you get the recap and everything. I would imagine. So when you get dropped into some of these fires, like, especially if it's a red alert and you have to take a helicopter, maybe a little bit deeper in the interior than you like, like, are you guys spending the nights like, like, are you, you're there until the fire is out or at least under control? Like, are you camping out? Are you sleeping out in the bush when this goes on or how does that work? Yeah. Yeah. So in Ontario, generally we sleep out in the bush. Um, if there are uh, signs of like a predatory bear or sometimes there's been run-ins with wolf, wolves or something along those lines, they'll pull crews off whether it's middle of the night. So it can get a little dodgy there with those oh, aspects. But, I could imagine. Um, yeah. Like I could tell you stories. There was like a crew that we were with and, and they, uh, it was like 3am. They were on a, a fire in Timmins that ripped to jump the highway. And uh, they were the initial attack crew on. They were just at the tail of the fire. Anyways, they, it was like 3am. Their crew boss has, uh, I think the chainsaw under the tent. Cause some, some, boss your responsibility is that chainsaw so a lot of them use it as like self-defense if they were ever to run in with a bear fuck why wouldn't you which is <laughs> it's nuts yeah so anyways once you cut into a bear with one of those it would just nod up in its hair but uh yeah it's more so the sound but yeah anyways the, the bear was <laughs> going through their campsite well they, i guess they didn't put their garbage they didn't hang it up in a tree or anything so it was on the ground they ripped it apart and then um yeah so this bear wouldn't leave them alone and they pretty much had to try and deter it as much as they could and find a pretty much get in contact with the rail company that was up there the cn and, and they pretty much evacuated them but the the bear would not leave them alone they kept they kept following them all the way to the railroad and the chainsaws ripping nothing's working but uh, yeah, hungry even fucker. even run-ins in like Wawa, there's been uh, buddies that I know. They've been on uh, fire. It was Wawa 15 in my first year. They were rookies too, and uh, they they had they had like what sound smell or like pretty much sounded like a dog sniffing at their head when they're sleeping at night, and buddies screaming, and he just hears like a shit ton of wolves. Holy fuck. They don't end up attacking them, but the whole, I think there was like three crews out there. Yeah. So it was absolute chaos. And then that ended up being uh, a bit of a shitty fire for everyone because there was, there was even bears drinking all the gas from the Jerry's for the pump. (laughs) Really? Those things terrorize everything. Doesn't matter what it is. Wow. You got to watch out. I would have never guessed a bear. sleep. I would have never guessed a bear would drink fucking gasoline, but yeah. oh, it, toothpaste, fucking any, any garbage you can find, like we'd find them on base and they'd be like head in the dumpster. 
Oh yeah. They'd be like, we'd be pulling up on them and they'd just be jumping out and going along with their day running down the hill. Absolutely. So what kind of a, uh, what kind of an adrenaline rush is it? Like when you get dropped in and you're looking at these flames in the middle of the fucking bush, like, like what kind of an adrenaline rush is it? Like talk to us. It starts, it starts right when the helicopter or right when you get the call. Wait a second. Do you guys play that fucking fortunate son by CCR when you're going to fight a forest fire? You know what they do? Like they do in every, like they do in every single Vietnam movie. Do you guys, oh, and yeah. actually it's, it's been kicking around the Oxford Bruins dressing room lately too, but do you guys throw on a little CCR fortunate son when you're heading to a fire or what? Oh, I wish we did. Some of them throw, <laughs> some of the pilots are, are pretty, they're beauties and they'll throw on uh, some music for us, get us fired up. Yeah. There's uh there's definitely, yeah, the adrenaline's pumping for sure. And, uh, the, the pilots are fired up too. They love flying all of them. We get a couple like australians that are like my age or like just a little older and they're like flying for the first time or like first couple summers in their experience and everything they wouldn't be there for if they weren't but uh yeah like as i was saying every fire is different it could be a ripping fire it could be one where you're dealing with like shitty shitty elevation which is kind of what we have in wawa a lot and oh yeah Fuck. we had to deal with that a few times kind of right after Right after I got off that Zoom call with you last time and it cut out and we didn't end up finishing the podcast, there was a big fire flap in Wawa and we had like, I think it was like 30 fires within two weeks. Wow. So we got on, we got on like three within six days and our whole crew was just fucking shredded, burnt out, no food. Our last fire, we, we, this is another issue. Sometimes you don't get the food you need never even thought of that uh, yep yeah and uh or there's mistakes along the way logistically which it happens everyone makes mistakes but uh uh yeah and then our last fire of that we were burnt at both ends of the candle and uh we had the probably the steepest elevation that i've ever dealt with you're pretty much like a billy goat with a hose pack on your back trying to climb up tie it to a tree and then run the next length out and uh yeah i just remember some i had to like yeah pretty well tie a tie a hose line to a tree and then pull myself up to get up to the top of the fire but uh yeah you're you're so strung out at that point it's like six days of just non-stop fire and you're, because there's these fires were a little slightly smaller they're all lightning fires Okay. Uh, yep. You're kind of you're you're banging them out pretty quick. Like you're in there for one or two days. Yeah. And you're out. So you're kind of you're going max ever the whole time. That's for sure. So yeah. Have you ever got into a fire? Have you ever got into a situation and you're looking around and you're like, oh fuck, like this is it. Like this is where boom. it's no, oh, this is where it's gonna end. Like so long, oh, guys. Yeah. Like have you ever like? There's had to be a lot yep. of holy shit moments. But I mean, yeah. a moment where you sat there and you're like, I don't know, like, this is it. I don't know if I'm getting out of here. Have you ever had one of those? Uh, yeah, we had one in Sioux Lookout with, uh, we got, we were the third crew on. They already had initial attack on it. And uh, we, this was my first year. We, we got brought in the Sioux Lookout on a freaking school bus and brought to their forward attack base. And we, we hit a point one of a hectare fire in the morning and then got dropped on this one and they were having problems with water and it was it was middle of july 2021 fucking dry as a desert and uh we were on the far we got to the far side of the fire and we had to set up like what's called a tandem pump setup which is you get two pumps feeding into one larger diameter hose line to get more water in there Yep. And uh, by the time we got there, it was it was pretty well immediately. The the line got burnt over. We had to drop our bags and it was like 10 feet in front of us. There were trees torching. We had to run back Holy up the hill into the black. And uh, there's we we call water bombers. I just remember being so fired up because you, you, that was my first time kind of seeing water bombers on a fire and they're. They're crazy. They're like a jet engine going over the forest. Yeah. And they just drop a shit ton of water and 
you better be out of the way because those things are taking trees down with it at the speed they're going. That'd be but, yeah, that'd uh, be a fucking rush to see for sure. Yeah, that was an oh shit moment. Next morning, you, we got to that spot and uh, the, the whole bag was burned. I could show you. I brought back a burn hose line or a little coupling at the end, just just yep. for token sake and and uh, yeah, you you can find there's some definitely some tokens you can bring home i got um some moose teeth uh i got a shed i've seen me. your I big shed before alberta. i saw i've seen a picture of it yeah yeah i got that one from alberta that was like right in the morning we were walking fireline and uh i just see like two two spikes pull pull poking out of the tall grass in this swamp and i go over and there's this like 50 pound moose rack crazy That's fucked anyways i tied it to my bat my backpack and brought it out for the rest of the day but yeah they they let me sneak that through the airport and bring it home back to ontario which is not really allowed but they were they were pretty uh solid for doing that yeah so you said this summer again uh with all the forest fires that were going on so you actually got deployed this summer out to alberta to help fight some of the fires out there is that that's correct yeah yeah how did that yeah. like how what kind of scale uh, what kind of scale were we looking at for fires out there? Cause it was a nasty summer and I want to get into a little bit yeah. of that in a minute here, but what were the scale of fires out there? Cause it was fucking nasty out there this, this year. Yeah. Yeah. So Ontario had a bit of a, a later, but uh, we got to Alberta and Ontario started blowing up. But anyways, the spring fires were, were fucking nuts in Alberta. They, uh, they were burning everywhere from down south, like Calgary area to like right into Edmonton and even further up like Fort McMurray way where it's been bad in uh, 2019 or whatever it yeah. was. But uh, yeah, so we got, we got shipped. There were two spots they want us to go to and there was a East uh, set of crews and a, a West set of crews. So the West set went up, further further north to like the border of northwest territories they went to a place called it was like rainbow lake okay <laughs> there was a bunch of project fires up there and then we got sent to north of grand prairie and uh there was a bunch of project fires there we got we got to work with uh, a bunch of smoke jumpers and hot shots there and uh they were all fucking, it was sweet to pick their brain and, and see how, just because they're a bunch of American idiots, just like us. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so um, we we got super fortunate because usually this doesn't happen, but we got placed into a oil camp for the two weeks we were there. And uh, that place was five star. That place was like fully decked out. You'd have a meal ready for you right when you got home or back from the fire. And then uh, you'd have your own separate room. They had hockey playing all the time for the regular season when it was Oh yeah, uh, finishing off playoffs. I think it was, we were watching that uh, Tampa Toronto series there. Yeah. And uh, uh, what else? Yeah. They had weight, they had a weight room. Not that I used that shit because <laughs> I was so fucking burnt out by the end of the day. And you're and already jacked. Was, so right like oh i try yeah i try we're just a bunch of meatheads right so yeah but uh yeah that place was pretty sweet to come back to after the end of uh the day on fire but uh yeah there was that was a pretty calm fire but it was threatening grand prairie and they wanted to really make sure that all the areas that were breached were out and we pretty much got sent out with 20 other Ontario firefighters and my crew included and pretty much sniff out a bunch of smokes, not a crazy amount of fire activity, but Alberta definitely got a hot start and kept rolling throughout. So the whole, the whole country did pretty well. And, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a weird, there's a weird weather occurrence just to probably I'll inform, like inform you with, like uh snowfall and everything this year it's kind of funny it's called uh it's called el nino yep so i've heard of it i don't know anything about yeah. it but yeah so there's less snowfall coming this season or this winter right which creates a little more of a fire hazard for next spring so the the whole the whole ground is going to be a lot drier going in and going right. to sustain through the through the summer so 
Nice. Yeah, probably a milder yeah. milder winter coming, which isn't too bad. But no, uh, yeah, no. I've actually I have heard that it's going to be a, a mild winter, but a wet winter. So in my opinion, if we're not getting the snow, that just means we're going to get lots of rain in the winter, probably, which yeah. fucking sucks. But you keep referring to these yeah. these smoke jumpers, and I know that you had originally applied to go to a course down in Australia. Now I was it. Was it smoke? Was it smoke jumping? You wanted to go down that there was, for that was the pair attack kind of what the I was pair attack. So that they had like I know what fire jumping is. Like I used to do that at bush parties, but I mean, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but uh, <laughs> like smoke cool. jumping. So what? What the fuck is smoke jumping? Yeah, yeah. So it's pretty much you're in a squirrel suit. Okay. Well, not a squirrel suit. You're kind of in a massive. You kind of look like a freaking. One of those juggernauts from uh, Call of Duty. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're in one of those massive suits that has all your gear on it and it's got a parachute on your back and uh, they, they give you a drop zone and you got to drop there onto the fire and kind of be initial attack with probably four, four other guys at least or girls. Right. There's a shit ton of training. Uh, Australia does what's it's the pair attack. So that's pretty much where you kind of tether out from a, a line out of a helicopter. Okay. But uh, yeah, BC is the only place that does that in, in Canada. It's it's pretty damn savage. There's a couple couple of guys from uh, from Wawa base who were in my first year. They ended up going out there. They'd already have been there for a few years in Wawa, but uh, yeah, those guys those guys are insane. So that's that be, essentially then like. Awesome. So what would what would um, figure trying to figure out how to ask this question. Like, what criteria would it take to call in the smoke jumpers? And like, you can't land a helicopter. You can't, t- uh, like you say, tether off from a helicopter. You can't access it by ground. Obviously, like, what? Why a smoke jumper? Like, why do they? Why would they get called in? Yeah, I think it's it's uh very specialized. Definitely depends on what the where the area is. If it's super remote and you you cannot access it by road you can't access it by maybe water or anything like that or there's just a shitty spot for a helicopter to land they'll we'll call in smoke jumpers and it's uh sometimes a little more of a quicker action on the fire especially those guys are are well old machines they've been doing it usually have more than 10 years fire experience in wildfire some are as as young as me but uh yeah, you get trained. It's like military camp. You go there for like a boot camp at the start of the summer and they pretty much get you all ready to go. And that's pretty well one of the fastest ways to uh, action a fire. In yeah, Canada, I, that's for sure. I would I would think you pretty much like you got to be a couple of bricks short of a load to be a smoke jumper. Like you just complete lunatic, oh, yeah. in, in my opinion. Yeah, you're there is a screw loose for sure. Like a Jack Davis. Jack Davis would be a good fire jumper or smoke jumper. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no (laughs) rules with that guy. (laughs) I guess he's screaming at the top of the lungs. Oh, my God. I could just imagine. Yeah. Um, So so something I want to get into, and I think I know what your answer is going to be. But so there's this, you know, there's the whole, I'm going to call it a fad because that's all it is. There's this whole fad right now about climate change, so on and so forth. And you see all the conspiracy theorists out there. What do you think of the of the theories out there that some of these fires were deliberately started as part of the government's agenda to push climate change? Do you buy into that at all? I mean, and the reason I ask, like (laughs) the reason I ask is you're in you're in the shit, man. Like you're right there firsthand. You've got some experience under your belt now with it. Like does does that thought ever crop? Maybe that you probably don't have time to think of it like that. But yeah, those things ever crossed your mind? No. Sometimes you're just like, how the fuck did this fire start in this in the middle of fucking nowhere? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Whoever the fuck that is, they can go and shove it up their ass. I don't know. That's a, that's a. I think that's false. But there are human caused fires. Absolutely. Absolutely. Some someone smoking a cigarette, it's a dry day, they flick their butt and it starts, or it could be it could be somewhere it starts in a home and then it spreads to the forest around. But uh yeah, I don't know what the the 
general makeup of wildfires are, but uh, uh, it's usually three. It's usually either lightning fires and it's or or rail fires where it kind of hits a, a spark on the a rail yep. the wheel yep. and it kind of shoots out a bit of a, a spark oh, yeah. onto the side of the forest in the middle yep. of nowhere it can those ones can rip if you get it at the right time in spring and there's a lot of wind but uh and then there's human humans probably the least common there's a oh, lot really? of awareness that goes on yeah there's a lot of awareness that goes on people are aware of it because it, it does destroy a lot of it has destroyed a lot of communities oh, yeah, in for uh, sure. Ontario, whether it's like a reserve, those places don't, don't get enough, uh, enough, uh, I guess media sometimes, especially in Ontario, you hear a lot about it out in like BC or Alberta, which is right, rightfully so with like the communities going down, uh, where was it? Was it Kelowna this year in BC? And then, um part of it but and then you got like fort mcmurray areas like that but then there's like yep. native reserves up ontario way where we got to go out and set up sprinklers to protect their their uh their community there and sometimes you don't get to it in time but uh yeah human fires is those happen there's a if you're a crew leader and you got to deal with one of those you are cursing because you got to do a shit ton of paperwork there's bunch of stuff for court you got to fill out and then you're fully involved could be in that um investigation for years so oh fuck i didn't that's, yeah, that's, that's something that crew leader which that's something that would have never crossed that. my mind that you're yeah like you could be you know yeah taken to court if they you know they think the fire wasn't handled properly or or whatever right yeah. like so so let me ask you if you have to go to court for something like that do you like, are you on your own? Do you pay your own way? Or like, does MNR step in and be like, you know, we'll, we'll cover your, your lawyer fees and stuff. You're, you're fucked up. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. You're pretty well fucked. You're, you're pigeonholed and you're kind of off on your own. If you're the one who started that fire, there might be, depends on the instance and how it started. If it's like fully your fault or um, it, there's, there was escalating things that could have, or devices that were involved that weren't uh, you had no control over, but uh, yeah, usually you're you're in a deep deep hole if you're you ended up uh, getting into like a fire that's very substantial and it ends up going for a rip. Depends yeah. on the day and weather, but uh, yeah, yeah, it all depends. What are you what are you sipping on there? Oh, I got a little uh, got a little a little fucking cream soda going here. If you really need to know. Oh, okay, there you go. Cream soda nice. with ice. It's just a nice little Sunday, Sunday afternoon beverage. Yeah. Oh yeah. So the yeah, MN, so, so the MNR, like they're kind of your governing body, or is it like so you're based in Wawa, or is it like Wawa Wawa Township, we'll call it, whatever. They're your governing body, yeah. I guess. Like how does that work? Yeah, so it's all it's all through the MNR. You're it's it's not through the township. It's uh through, through the Ministry of Natural Resources and Forestry. They got a fancy word for it now that I couldn't uh, spit out. But uh, yeah, you're hired by the MNR. So you're pretty well a government employee. Um, oh, okay. Perfect. And you're a specialized unit, I guess. They're <clears throat> a different kind of, you're a niche in the MNR that, uh, that protects um, people from forest fires and, and does a lot of prevention stuff and, and, yeah, so that's your your job for the summer. There's uh, definitely some some conflicts I want to get to uh, to into with like hiring and <laughs> and jobs. There's there's uh, definitely not enough respect or maybe not respect, but enough uh, attention brought through the MNR about about how important our job is there, right? And that reflects in kind of our pay. Our okay. pay is like it's decent. There's a lot of student workers nowadays. Yep. That are like gonna pay their way through school, have a fun summer, and and learn a they're gonna learn a crap ton and, and possibly getting some some uh some good fires. But with that being said, there's a lot of people who are in and out and the experience is kind of dropped down a notch because there's there's like people who are in for a year or two and then they're out and there's only there's only so many experienced people that you can kind of lean on on a fire, especially when shit goes kind of sideways. And oh yeah, you really need some uh, some people with some 
heavy background on different situations on fire to make a decision. But um, yeah, definitely if, if they want to keep it, there's a retention problem is really what it is. I see. They're not, they're not uh, keeping people around just because of people deeming it as like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not getting paid enough. It's maybe there's a lot of people from down South like me who come do it from the city and, and uh, yeah, they just, it's not sustainable. You can't, go away for a summer sacrifice all this time away from like family or family friends. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I come in the summer. I'm like, Holy shit. The FOMO sometimes I see on like, (laughs) I got, I got to spend time off social media because I'm like, what the fuck am I missing down South right now? Yeah. But you know what? I've always uh, said too, like you can't, you can't put a price on the experiences that you're getting. Right. Like you can't like, you're right. Like, It'd be tough. I, I get it. It'd be tough to be a kid and you're missing out on parties and, you know, weekends in Biscolka or whatever. But at the same yeah, time, yeah. like, like, you know, you've got your big boy pants on. You're doing big boy shit out in the middle of the bush. And I, from my personal opinion, there's something to be said about that, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely, like, learning a shit ton, not only by myself, but just, like, life experience stories and uh and the people you meet too you like to... like you've probably got friends all over ontario right oh yeah like yeah. just through yeah. for just through fighting forest fires yeah yeah fucking like i i get there's yeah sometimes i get in my leg pulled th- different directions i get home and like holy fuck i kind of just want to settle down wanna, and yeah i just want to be home. a little bit of a groove yeah yeah so. so back back to the pay there just just quickly um is it an hourly wage? Is it a by fire wage? Is it salary? How do you, how are you paid yeah. living expenses? Yeah, so like yeah, per diem, like how does that all break down? Yeah. So you, it's an hourly wage. And then, so you get your 40 hours a week and okay. whenever there's a fire, you're, you're definitely not working just a straight eight hours in a day. You're working somewhere from like it's 12 done. to 16 yeah. hour days. I've gotten a 20 hour day from, there being a tornado. Yeah, you're like a farmer. Line. You're a farmer. Yeah. Working it all depends hours. on the situation. <laughs> Whatever the day brings, you got to handle it. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, you get that. And then when you're on fire, you, you get all your food paid for. It's all, it comes out. You have a food order list that you can sign off on. You get pretty well anything you want. If there's like, we've ordered lobster before. Fucking a birthday cake. Fucking anything you want pretty well you could get they're pretty good about that stuff so it's all paid for when you're on fire so that's another thing that you kind of pray for when you're on when you want fire because you're not in town spending money on especially me being a fucking meathead eating like every hour (laughs) my grocery bill is fucking insane when i'm in town so i could i couldn't imagine groceries being very cheap from like in wawa anyways right yeah oh yeah the meat is fucking it's like 30 bucks for a steak jesus christ yeah that's yeah. i i spent a week in wawa one night uh the first time i moved to alberta i stopped my first stop was in wawa and i can't i can picture it but i can't tell you the name of the hotel we stayed at and we went next door there was a hotel right next door and had a fucking awesome lasagna holy fuck it was good they had lasagna lasagna was on the menu for dinner i think it was a special that night and i dummied like four pieces of lasagna went back to my hotel and called it a night but uh, i've been to wawa what a that's hilarious what a fucking place but um yeah i think uh you're probably at that i think i remember you saying you're at that motor in or something yeah the motor in that's the one right below the golf course there yeah that's the one and then there's another hotel right next door to it and uh yeah they had like a little it's like you know what aside from tim hortons i think it was the only restaurant in town that was open at seven o'clock at night and you know being a kid that had really never been north of fucking Huntsville before or Perry Sound, I got up there and I just assumed it was the same as it was down here. And it's it's not like talk to us a little well, bit about the difference. Like you're a kid. You, you grew up in the beaches. The family lives in in Scarborough now. Like how do how do you adapt to that? Even if it is just for a summer yeah. going from like the city scene to fucking northern Ontario. Like how like how do you yeah. adjust to that? I think it helped uh it helped me going like away to Kawartha's a bit, which wasn't too far away from home, but I was away north. So I had to kind of improvise with when I was bored and find stuff to do. But uh a guy like 
my brother. He came up my first year just oh. to just to come and visit with my mom, and that guy was fucking losing it. It was like two days in. He's like, "Where the hell am I?" He's going nuts. Yeah, but that and that's like, different. Like you are the city. You are an outdoorsy kind of guy. Like you like to get up and do stuff and and get outside yeah. and camp and fucking fish and that shit. And not Quinner. No, Quinner's uh Quinner's a fucking he's he's, a city boy. He's a city boy. Yeah, you gotta pull that guy's leg if if or he's gotta be with a bunch of buddies and there's gotta be a beer involved or something. But <laughs> uh yeah. Yeah, fishing was pretty well my my shit I do and in the morning i there was a greasy dusty gym in in town me and uh there's a our our base had like probably a probably a handful of guys that just liked working out so we'd all go there and just be like lighting the whole town on with like blasting music this one guy had a speaker that would just shake the walls oh, we yeah. go in there and just try and be full on meatheads but <laughs> yeah, it was, it was work. It, the shit that kept me sane there was working out, fishing, and golfing. So, oh yeah. And then we we'd sneak into the the rink they had there, and they didn't have ice, and we would just strap on our rollerblades and shoot around in there. So, all right, that was a fun time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I would imagine like you know, it's like you said, you could improvise things to do pretty good and. And even if you are, like you said, sneaking into the rink, if I'm sure if you got caught in there, you, you get a talking to at the most. And that's it. Like, there's not, you know, no, there's not a lot there's of law. There's not. There, a, but... Yeah. But there's not a lot of law and order. And I don't mean it's a fucking, you know, like martial law up there. But I mean, you yeah. can probably get away with a lot more up there than you could down here. Like you, yeah, you break is... into the fucking Don Beer Arena in Pickering. You're getting charged for trespassing, right? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or go to the 905 across the street. There, hit hit the 905 Angels is right down the street. I mean, you know, right? lots of options. Lots of options. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Ask, uh, ask Anthony LaManna about that place. Oh, <laughs> oh, we better not go that far. We better not go that far. What totally kind cool. of, um, just trying to keep it on the rails here. What kind of advice do you have for like, you know, I got, I got a lot of young kids that listen to this podcast, you know, and that are still in their, mid to late teens that are trying to figure what they want to do. And you know, the way it is now, every fucking kid out there wants to be a firefighter. Everybody wants to be, I can, you know, I can rhyme off 10 kids that are, I can rhyme off 10, 40 year olds that are still trying to get on a fire department somewhere. But what advice do you have, you know, for a kid that wants to be a firefighter, say at a department, what advice would you give them as far as, you know, check out this forest fire forest fire, firefighting it looks good on your resume it's great experience like what kind of advice can you throw out to them who can they get a hold of what can they expect what what do they got to have in school whatever yeah. you know what i mean yeah you honestly it could be it doesn't matter what age you are it doesn't matter what uh if you're right out of high school there's a couple of guys who have done it and they're in high school and they go back for the last bit of school or they do it from online or whatever so it doesn't matter what age uh what schooling you have you could have gone to pre-service firefighting like me at college or you could have not but um you definitely definitely want to be prepared for being away from home uh but you also gotta kind of soak it all, all in and and realize it's a it's a life experience that you'll never forget whether it's for one summer or you like it and you end up staying for five but uh yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, life lessons along the way, especially like maybe it could be your first time being away from home, not having like the same support system. So you got to kind of figure it out on yourself. Yeah. But uh, that's that's the stuff that kind of kind of makes it all, all worth it. Like there's it could be a shitty spot you're living in, but uh, you got to learn to make the, the best of it. Of it. Yeah, like, exactly. But you make buddies along the way, especially like most yeah i don't know most people are uh are willing to help you out or people who are in those smaller towns are super nice so yeah they'll help you out find find a spot you just got to kind of and if they ever anyone has any questions they can uh definitely ask anyone in the fire field everyone's everyone in in firefighting is super uh knowledgeable and willing to help anyone who's uh younger trying to get into it even even structural too so yeah. And that's kind of something I actually also wanted to ask. It, it, it's, it's, 
do you find there's a lot of athletes fighting forest fires? And the reason I asked for that is because, and you kind of alluded to it way back in the interview, you said, you know, like, uh, crew morale and, and crew cohesionness, like you guys all have mm-hmm. to be on the same page. You have to be, you, you know what I'm trying to get it. It's like a very team atmosphere. Nobody gets left behind. Oh, yeah. Everybody gets included and everybody buys. Yeah. It's like a hockey team and everybody's got to buy yeah. in to the task. That's at hand. Right, yeah. So are there, do you find yeah. a lot of athletes in, in this line of oh, work? Yeah. Or? Definitely. Yeah. It could be, it could be individual sports or it could be someone who's like, there's a crap ton of people from down South, a lot of hockey players. So there's a lot of, a lot of people to relate to in terms of, um, and people who have been with a team. So they have those kind of qualities where they can work together. There are a couple like people you run into and they're like just a couple of duds and you're yeah. just like, what the hell am yeah. I going to do with this guy? Oh but, yeah. Uh, you kind of, you make the best of it. I had, I had a, my three years, I had probably the best situation with crews. I had first year, I had a full crew of, of people who taught me a shit ton and trusted me. So, I was pretty well pumped guy for most of that year. And then second year I was crew boss, had a great crew leader who uh, let me be a crew boss and figured out myself. And I had uh, two guys from down South, one guy from Hamilton, one guy from, uh, he's from Cambridge. And I had him for my third year too. He played for uh, Wellesley last year when they won. Okay. Yep. For, uh, they won. uh, Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, he was a beauty. Me and him, that was the only reason me and him stayed stayed, 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 uh, pretty well sane in the uh, year. Yeah, because you kind of had each other. Is there any sort of, and maybe you can't get into it too much, but is there any sort of like rookie hazing that goes on up there in the fire field or what? Yeah, you get get, uh, on fire. There's definitely some shit where you got to like jump into a, a loon shit, or maybe not a loon shit swamp, but into a lake full gear. Yeah, yeah. Gear, and then <laughs> you're soaked for the rest of the fire. You got trench foot or whatever's going on. Maybe not that far, but yeah, you're just wet, cold, <clears throat> and miserable. Um, a lot of the shit gets gets brought up. Like, just think of a stupid idea. Whether it's like odds, odds you like, I don't know, eat some rotten food or some stupid, or something, something stupid. Yeah, yeah. or like yeah. eat tuna all day. That's all you can eat, or some dumb. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, or like odds. One of ours was odds you don't put bug spray on for the whole the whole day or the whole right. fire. Yeah, we tried going a whole fire and got through two days, and uh, one of our guys got a full allergic reaction. His face blew up on him, and he <laughs> he pretty much had to get evacuated. Wow, he was okay though. Yeah. After he was fine. Oh, he was okay. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but he was back the next day. But yeah, he, yeah, he blew up like a fucking balloon well i'd imagine too like that shit out there like you say when you're on fire and you're doing dumb shit you gotta you gotta keep everybody loose too and you know you gotta gotta make light of the situation too right yeah 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 so you're you're all hurting out there oh yeah we're all trying to get through it together everyone's there's there's definitely like times where you're just like fuck this why am i out here well like You're all you're all doing with the same stuff. You're all you're all dirty. You're all tired. You're all maybe hungry. Oh you're yeah, fuck. Whatever, sweaty or especially me, just leaking the whole fire. Can't imagine. Stop. Imagine okay. what I'd be like out there with no fucking rink hot dogs hanging around. Oh. I know, eh? Oh, your <laughs> blood pressure would go through the roof. <laughs> Holy fuck, it'd be out, 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 out of control for sure. <laughs> but uh, well, that's you, good. We could, yeah. We're uh, yeah. we're gonna wrap up the fire talk, but before I let you go, I've had I've had lots of people reach out and ask me, so I thought you might be a good guy. Give us a good um, <clears throat> give us a good Coxie coaching story. I've 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 coached a lot of fucking hockey players over the years, and you know as well as like I got, I'm I'm a different breed, different breed behind the oh, bench. Yeah. I've had a lot of people say, "Oh, you should get some of your old players on and tell some Coxie stories." Well. I don't know that a lot of these stories need to go public, but give us, give the listeners a good Coxie coaching story. Maybe one of your favorites. Cause I know you've probably got a few, so let's, oh, yeah. let's hear one. Yeah, There's, there's a, 
there's definitely the ones <clears throat> where we run into Port Perry on a Sunday afternoon. No <laughs> one wants to be there. It's a Sunday. Everyone's hungover. Everyone just wants to watch football. And uh, you, yeah, you you definitely uh, bring the boys alive with the pregame speeches. And if we're fucking around during the turn the the game, you're silent as can be on the bench, maybe. And then come into the dressing room and you're just shredding someone, whether it's one person or the whole team, <laughs> uh, using whatever words you want. I don't even know what comes off the top of your head. You're, you're, uh, yeah, you're a special one. That's for sure. But, uh, yeah, I'm an emotional when guy. Was, when was saying one this year, it was like, he was like, you'd always catch me and Quinn just. Oh, you two fuckers. I couldn't. Head. I, I loved you guys, but I couldn't. You guys made me so mad at the same time because I would just be going on a rant. And you and your fucking brother would just be sitting there giggling. And I if I looked at you, I'd break character. So I was so fucking mad. Oh, yeah. And I had to like, yeah. but if I, you know, if I was giving it to the whole team, I tried to look at all the players. But when I looked at you and your brother, I have to look like six feet above you, right? So that I don't make yeah. eye contact and start laughing myself. Yeah, our heads are tucked in our shirts, trying to hold the laughter in. But... Two pair of fucking donkeys. Quinn Quinn was saying one this year. I think it was at a Clarington game, or maybe it was a Port game. And you were uh, you were just finishing off your little rant at the end of the game. You're about to storm out of the room and, and bust the door down. Then you pretty much yell out like a, uh, I think it was like you said a you said like fuck me at the end just like saying what the fuck is this and then then you turned around after you came out and you're like no fuck you <laughs> that, that was so. that so that was in little britain and yeah i went in and i yeah. i gave the boys a piece of my mind i told them what i thought of their effort that night and i was oh, yeah so running brilliant. hot and i forget and i was just like jesus Christ, like fuck me and I walked out, and yeah, I would <laughs> stuck my head like back in the door. And I'm like, surely, fuck you. And I just, I stormed away. But yeah, that's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Riggs, Riggs and Quinter. Yeah, Riggs and Quinter were fucking giving me a hard time about that one for sure. Oh, yeah. 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 Those, those drives to from, from Scarborough to, to, uh, Uckbridge on, on practice nights training with Riggs and me and Quinn in the car were always funny. <laughs> I can I definitely miss those, but, uh, some Probably don't the, miss the rest of it though, do some you? Some of the drives. No. Oh, yeah. Some no. of the drives up there on like a Wednesday night snowfall. Oh, like even yeah. Colangelo ripping his car apart on the highway or something. Yeah. You gotta watch with uh with Riggs's little beamer rice rocket there. Oh god, Things, yeah. Like, skinned across the ground in a blizzard. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck are we doing? And so he'd what... always catch the worst weather breaks. Oh yeah, for sure. So what are you doing yeah. now? So you're home for the winter time. Uh, obviously you're applying to fire departments, you know, around Ontario, whatever, trying to get on full time, or at least I assume that's what you're doing, but what else are you doing now? Yeah. Old man Meek got you back in the construction business or what? Yeah. Yeah. He's got me. He's got me, uh, every pretty much full time. So, okay. Yeah, we're, we're moving around. We got, uh, the the summer he had a couple of jobs that started up. He got one in Oxbridge there. I don't know if you know uh where is it? Foxfire State. Foxfire. Like yeah, I can't afford to right live there, there but Simmer I know where it is. Simmer yeah, lives Simmer near lived. it. Yeah, Simmer would live. Okay. There. The guy's got coin. Yeah. Oh yeah. Fucking guy. Yeah. Bored of it. Anyways. But uh yeah, so we got one starting up there. That's that's probably it's a full house cut. So okay. Um yeah, it could be it could be anything where it's like just a simple finishing job where you're doing like a, a kitchen or a bathroom, or it could just be like a full house cut, or you're taking the roof off and putting a level on it. I've gone a few of those in the last couple of years. Those were always hard ones for for me and Quinn because we're the young guys on the crew. You you pretty much all the old guys are like fuck you guys. You're doing all the labor. Yeah, you get to do all the framing. You get to do all the all the fun stuff but once it comes down to the end of the day and you got a shit ton of garbage bags to bring down to the bin <laughs> then yeah. you're pretty well having your work out there and then you come home and you're going to practice so yeah but yeah. uh well that'll be yeah, good was, because it, i don't know a good time. i don't know many firefighters that don't have a part-time job or when they're off duty because you know they work their i don't know 
fucking 24 on or whatever and five yeah. 57 days off or whatever the fuck it is but <laughs> exactly yeah. they all have a fucking side hustle and it's always fucking landscaping or construction like of some sort yeah. and when i say construction i mean that in a broad spectrum like fucking they're doing their yeah. doing electrical work on the side plumbing they're pouring concrete yeah. whatever like they've all got a fucking side hustle so that'll yeah. go well with your future firefighting career yeah, we'll see. We got, I just, I'm in this pretty well. I started the second year of the apprenticeship for a carpenter. So we'll see where that takes me. I still got to go to school for it all, but I'm just yep. blocking all my hours right now. And yep. uh, yeah, I, I last, last week I got doing flooring and it was the afternoon finished, uh, finished lunch and uh, it was Friday and I'm cutting floor and I'm using a T-square and I'm being a little too lax, I guess. And my fingers <laughs> a little too close. Slipped the knife and cut the side of my freaking index finger. <laughs> so that thing got ran right up the side of the finger. I got like four stitches in it. Nice. But, uh, nice. nice. Yeah. Yeah. We got to watch out for those ones. But I guess so. For, uh, we, we keep busy. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, man. Um thanks for coming on the podcast thanks for talking uh forest fires with us it's been a slice it's good to see you again too bud yeah thanks for having me on i'll be at games probably soon so yeah no problem well yeah again thanks man that was awesome so listen that was uh that was fun that was a lot of fun for me to sit down with a kid that you know i i mean i only coached him for two years but you see these kids that especially at that age you see them grow and mature a fair bit over that two-year uh, time frame. And De- listen, Declan was a guy that, you know, as soon as the season was over, you never heard from him again. And then, and I mean that in a positive way, he was gone. He was way up north, not always the best cell service or the best connectivity up there in Wawa, Ontario. So it was always interesting to hear what he got up to for the summer. And uh, like I said, he's he's a He's a pretty quiet kid, but he's he's a true leader. Anything he does, he gets into it. He gives a full 110%. And uh, like I said, I just thought that'd be interesting to sit down and talk uh, talk a little forest firefighting with him. So hope you enjoyed the episode. It was fun. Uh, always fun bringing these episodes out to you guys. Thanks for always sticking around. Thanks for listening. And remember... Don't forget the most important part of the Cox Talks podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your fucking friends about the Cox Talks podcast. Thanks for listening.